Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 6. Today is Wednesday, October 24th. We're doing this a little bit earlier in the week than we normally do, although the episode should be out Thursday night on the 25th as usual. My name is Bradley Meprock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. This Week in Voice is sponsored by the Alexa Conference, the worldwide gathering of the Alexa development community. Executives, marketers, developers, strategists, all the people who come together to either decide to create a voice experience or to execute on that will be there. It's January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most people don't realize Chattanooga is home of the fastest internet in the nation. It's going to be fantastic. We just announced a couple of weeks ago, Nolan Bushnell is, is going to be in the house giving a plenary session. His company is getting involved in the voice space. Uh, they've got a murder mystery game coming out for Alexa in Q1. Tons of other great folks will be there. It's just going to be a lot of fun. We hope you can join us. We've got a fantastic panel today. Our first, <clears throat> our first guest is Mari Lakai. Mari, am I pronouncing that right? Yes, that's right. Hi, Bradley. Thank you for joining us, Mari. So, thank you, you for having the, me. Oh, of course, Mari. You are the host of Voice First Weekly. Tell us what you do with Voice First Weekly. Tell us about uh, all that you do. With Voice First Weekly, we have fundamentally two offerings, and one is the website, um, one is the newsletter, a weekly newsletter that we release every Thursday at 9.50 Pacific time. But we also have the podcast, the Voice First Weekly, the podcast, which is a daily podcast, and, and it's meant to be short commentaries of something that is happening that is hot in voice technology that day. That's pretty much the two fundamental offerings. Uh, we are thrilled to have Voice First Weekly be part of Voice First FM. Mari, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Our next guest is Kane Sims, the one and only. Kane, say hello. Hello there, Bradley. I feel as though today I should be using my very best radio voice to try and compete with the huskiness of your voice today, Bradley. Well, hey, you know, just uh, just get a sore throat and uh, have a lot of congestion and maybe you can uh, sound like this as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Kane, thank you for joining us. So you are the host of VUX World, which is also part of Voice First FM. We love what you're doing. You're, you're killing it. Walk us through what you're doing with the show. Um, tell us all about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so thank you for having us on, uh, Bradley. Much, much appreciated. And uh, shout out to Mari. I love the stuff that you're doing with uh, Voice First Weekly. Is to have the discipline to do something like that every day is uh, it's it's quite an accomplishment. I've tried it myself with the flash briefing and uh, with our flash briefing, and it is a very difficult thing to do. And I haven't yet managed to sustain that. So congratulations and all the good work you've been doing. Uh, it is a pleasure to be on uh, on uh, This Week in Voice. Uh, funny story, when I first got the idea for VUX World, and I'll tell you about it in a little bit, um, there was nothing that nothing existed in this voice thing. I didn't even realize that voice was even a thing. It was like, I had the idea in like June 2017, and in the UK there was literally nothing. And I sat on it for about four months, and then I found This Week in Voice, and that was the kind of thing that sort of confirmed to me 
that this is even a thing. You know, this whole voice thing. I didn't even realize it was it, it was something until I found this week in voice. So thank you for for being so consistent with it, and thank you for being there in the early days. Otherwise, Video X World might not have even happened in the first place. I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, it's it's been fun, and it's it's uh, it's been sort of a wild journey. But uh, what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. And I got to ask, how did you decide to? Um, I think uh, an important part of what you do is the branding with the big faces. <laughs> uh, how did you decide to do that? Well, initially, I mean, what the point of VUX World, for those people that don't know, essentially, we call it the Practical Voice Podcast. And Dustin Coates, he's our co-host and partner, and he, he's on today as well, so he might talk a little bit about it too. But it's a Practical Voice Podcast, so what we really want to do is we want to delve deep under the surface of this industry and speak to all the practitioners and all the researchers and all the strategists and all of the people who are doing this stuff on a daily basis and really pick their brains on the detail of how they do what they do so that you you can do what you do better. So we look at strategy, we look at design, and we look at development. And when I first started it, the, 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 it's funny because everyone comments on, on the branding. What I kind of wanted to do was to stray away a little bit from the professional looking tone and just have a little bit of fun. You know what I mean? We have fun on a podcast. It's a good laugh. We always keep it casual. Um, and I think that one of the only ways I could really think of differentiating the brand essentially was just using me as a, as a face, basically, uh, because it's it's quite hard to create a new brand, but it's quite it's not as hard to be a memorable person, I don't think. I think, you know, so what we've got in terms of the branding is quite unique. Um, so, yeah, it was just a bit of a way of having a bit of fun and uh, trying to do something a little bit different. So, yeah. I love that. Kane, thank you for joining us on the show today. Our next guest and final guest is Kane's co-host, Dustin Coates. Dustin, say hello. Hey, Bradley. I'm, I'm going to echo what everyone else said. It's great to be on here. It's, I'll be honest, it's a little weird hearing your voice not at 1.5x, which is what I normally listen to <laughs> this podcast. That's. Hey, hey, I'll take 1.5x. Uh, that's a lot better than 0x, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which a lot of people listen to this show at. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Dustin, you've got a lot going on. You're co-host with Kane. Uh, you do a lot, as, uh, a, lot, a lot of other things as well. Walk us through uh, all that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, uh, I'm co-hosting the UX world with Kane. I've been doing that for coming up on nine months, uh, getting up to about a year now. Outside of that, I am the author of a book that's out in early release right now with Manning Publications called Voice Applications for Alexa and Google Assistant. It's for developers teaching them how to build voice applications for these voice-first devices with good VUI best practices as well. Beyond that, I blog at Talking to Computers, again, for developers, how do you build for voice? And then finally, on my day-to-day, I'm working to build up the voice search capabilities at a company called Algolia, which is a search API. So very lucky that I'm able to do voice literally from morning to evening. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you're pretty busy. I appreciate you setting this time aside as well. It's important to note, Voice First Weekly and VUX World will be part of the Alexa conference. Um, we'll share more about that later, but both, both of them will be in the house in January in Chattanooga. So wanted to mention that right off the top. And with that, we will get to the news. Our first story this week is from CNET. And I want to mention a shameless plug. CNET will be joining us 
on this show later in November. Uh, one of their uh, senior Alexa reporters will be here, uh, Ben Fox Rubin. This story is called Alexa Be Afraid and goes into a lot of detail on even though Amazon has raced out to a sizable lead, it may not be as far out in front as we all think. And Mari, I'm going to start with you. What did you think when you took a look at this story? Do you agree with the overall premise of it? Where do you think we stand in terms of competition among the mainstream voice participants as of right this moment? Yeah, Bradley. Um, the, I, I found this story pretty curious uh, because I actually think um, that the whole point that, to, that Google is, uh, is pretty close in terms of market share, right, with Amazon, uh, but also in terms of the services that, it, that is offering in the assistant, and that the strategy that Amazon is taking of this spaghetti to the world. So I found that funny, but for me, uh, I always insist that to create a platform, Google has a strong offering, right, which is their services, the maps, calendars, all these services that we are so used to use and that Amazon just doesn't have. And Google also have the Pixel and have Android platform, which powers more of uh, the most of phones today, right? But what I think they're failing on is on the platform uh, side. And that is the part where I always say that whoever has the most developers created for them uh, is going to win. And I think the biggest job is being done in that front by Amazon. I agree with the premise of the article, and I think we have still a lot to see and to go to, go, to, go to see how this ends but it's probably less than we think. On the other hand, I do think that Amazon has an advantage and it is how they are dedicating themselves to creating a platform more than a product with Alexa, where developers, with the attention they give to developers and with the attention they give to have Alexa in all these manufacturers. I think what Google has done is impressive over the last year. to come from absolutely nothing to where it is 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 a quite a feat to be honest like and and looking at some of the sort of how true this is i don't know but looking at some of the figures that get thrown around in terms of the the sheer resources that amazon are throwing at alexa compared to the the number even just the number of people that are working on google assistant it's alexa have an army compared to what google have and they've had a two-year head start so what Google have managed to do in the time that they've done it, I think, is, is pretty impressive. Um, they've certainly started the year very, very strong. With CES, there was advertising absolutely all over. At the start of the year, we've seen you know massive, massive billboards across the likes of Berlin, all across Europe, you know, London, Old Street Station in London's been just overtaken by Google Assistant billboards for most of the year. Um, so Google's really tried to come out pretty heavy this year. And I think regardless of what the market share is, I, I don't really think that's the point at the moment perfectly honest i think what google are trying to do really is to get themselves in a position where they've got an offering that is at least comparable in some cases probably a little bit better you know i think the the search function and being able to use the vast amount of data that they've got on on handling search queries is, is better than alexa's i think that google tend to have an inherent it's not a design culture i think it's more of a data culture obviously and uh, but what they do have is more of a design culture than what amazon have so i mean you just look at the amazon website 
and it's it's a pretty terrible website it's been more or less the same since about 1997 and if you actually did any kind of heat mapping on that site or any kind of eye tracking i reckon that you'll see some hot spots in one or two areas and i think the rest of it is just blanked out because people just have blinkers and they're just searching for what they're interested in amazon quite makes it quite difficult to find what you're interested in because it's just there's too much going on i, I don't think amazon have a design culture and that's reflected as you see that you see the alexa emails that come out and you know they're not very well formatted and they're all a little bit basic and they've done all right with the back end of, of alexa it's not too bad but compare that to google and google tend to pretty much have their lives in order when it comes to design you know the google home mini is a really nice smart device the pixel phone is i don't have a pixel phone but i know a lot of people that do and it is an absolutely gorgeous piece of kit like so i think that google from a design perspective probably have something a little bit better i think that google have turned the whole company into an ai first company that the entire company has been like positioned as an ai first company so the capabilities that google have with the data that they have i think is is absolutely vast but you, it's going to be very difficult to get anywhere close to Amazon simply because they've had a two-year head start. I know that this article has been phrased in a way that makes it sound as though uh, Amazon are just throwing spaghetti at the wall. But I think what they're really trying to do is to get Alexa in enough places for it to become the default assistant. So, you know, in human psychology, whatever the default is, it's powerful to be the default. You know, that's why you like some phone contractors and utility companies and all of those kind of companies. They'll set you up on paperless billing as a default option. You can ask to have your bill through the post if you want. Banks do it as well. But they set up paperless billing as a default option because it's easy to go with the default and people go with the flow. So I think what Amazon are doing is trying to make Alexa the default in all of these different areas, which will be difficult in terms of market share to capture, I think. But in terms of an actual assistant i don't think that you can separate them much that much at the moment i think google have done really well to claw themselves into a position that they are at the moment i gotta take a moment and process all that you just said <laughs> so basically <laughs> basically uh amazon so you realize of course that amazon.com is probably in the top five most successful websites of all time yeah, it it does a couple of things very, very well. It does search very, very well, and it does conversions very, very well. The one-click purchasing is is a phenomenal uh, feat uh, to, to achieve. It is completely friction-free. But in terms of the actual design and the layout and where things are, finding even just to find the reviews, you've got to scroll past a load of rubbish and then to get to the product descriptions. I mean, I, I was working on those A-plus pages about five or six years ago, and I haven't really changed that much at all. It just all feels a little bit clunky and a little bit not a very pleasant experience apart from the checkout process. Well, you do make a good. I, I mean, you make several good points, but the the one that I am keying in on is is the fact that you know Amazon. I feel like their design ethos, for lack of a better phrase, is um, represented in the fact that they try to keep things simple, and it comes across. You know, they they've bolted on reviews and they've tacked on things as time has gone by on their site and different things, and so it's gotten to feel a little bit clunky. But they. It feels to me that Amazon strives for for simplicity um, in a lot that they do in in a specific sort of way, and and like you mentioned those Alexa emails, which I think is actually a great example of trying to keep things. You, you use the word basic, uh, you know. I don't know, uh, probably m more negatively, but uh, you know, I, th I think there's something powerful about basic. But then you know, Google's taking it the other direction and. You're right. They they've got a different sort of way they approach things, and um, but equally as 
strong and equally as uh, compelling. And Dustin, I'm going to turn to you. And you've heard two uh, similar sort of takes on this. Do you agree with Marianne Kane uh, that uh, the Google um, is a lot closer, you know, in the rearview mirror to Amazon uh, than I think the layperson thinks, or uh, you view it some other way? Share with us your thoughts. I think it's a little bit of both. I think what we see right now with these voice assistants is we don't see the type of lock-in that we saw with mobile phones, right? Uh, People would only have one mobile phone at a time. But, and this is really interesting actually because the author seemed to think sort of negatively about Amazon's, they call it an all over the place strategy. But I think that's actually quite a smart strategy. And I think Google is approaching it as well. There was that recent news that Google Assistant now works with 10,000 different devices. So the goal there is that, sort of like Kane mentioned, to be the default. If I buy some headphones, is it going to have Alexa on it or is it going to have Assistant? If I buy a fridge, is it going to have Alexa or is it going to have Assistant? So I think these strategies are actually quite smart in terms of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what type of products people really want to have these these voice assistants on. And I do definitely agree that Google is making making some roads there. Uh, Alexa certainly has that leg up. And, and I think the point is correct that you've got more developers working on Alexa, building Alexa skills right now. But if you compare it to the install base that's out there, that's possible, the money-making opportunities of building for the Google Assistant, Alexa does have a reason to be afraid. Uh, Google is is coming up quickly. There's a sense that, um, at least in the stuff I read, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this, and we'll and we'll tie in story number two. In fact, I'll tie story number two in right now because it's uh, sort of connected with this. Story number two is a two-parter. Voicebot.ai's story of the week. Voicebot.ai giving voice to a rev- to the revolution. Fantastic site. I mention it every episode. If you don't know what that site is, you really need to hit pause and go there and immerse yourself. I, I don't know how you've made it this far without knowing that. Amazon Echo is the most popular smart speaker in the United States. So this article uh, that VoiceBot created delves into install base for all of the different devices. Okay, we're going to come back to that and, and tie that into this discussion. Story 2A Amazon partners with Qualcomm to make Alexa available in headphones via this chip, uh, this chipset that they've created. So this feels like one of these things that Amazon is doing that's, you know, another year or two out in front of Google. You know, as, as y'all mentioned, the article talks about with the Echo Show, that was one to two years out in front. With the Echo Dot, that was one to two years out in front of Google's equivalent. Um, this headphone Alexa on a chip thing is sounds one to two years out in front. So I want to tie this back in and I want to go through all three of you. And, and Mari, I'm going to start with you. It feels like when Google came out with Google Duplex, that that was the exclamation mark. That was the, that was the inflection point at which, you know, Kate, as you were saying, since the advertising at the beginning of the year with CES and other things, Google had been building and building and building because prior to that, 
as listeners of This Week in Voice know, you know, Google sort of had a little brother thing going on where um, Amazon would do something and then Google, like a little brother, would have to just run and catch up and try to hold serve. And Amazon would do something and Google would say, wait, nah, we're doing that too. And then this year's been very different. And Google Duplex feels like the inflection point on that. So in light of the stories in story number two, do you feel like that's true, that Google is going to be able to overtake Amazon? Is there anything in either of these two stories that makes you feel like Google is not, doesn't have momentum on their side? Share with us, in light of stories one and two, um, your thoughts on Google versus Amazon um, in a broader sense. So if you tie the two stories, it seems like Amazon is ahead, right? And I think it is. I think it definitely has an advantage. It started first, and I think that's why story number two about the being most popular smart speaker in the United States made completely complete sense because they were first. And then also the United States is the, the country that has the more skills and it is promoted the most. So for me, that makes sense. Uh, and then you also see this strategy of Amazon of getting everywhere with the Qualcomm deal, um, but I, I I wouldn't discount Google in any sense. I do think they are still trying to catch up, even if now they are, uh, I would say they are reinventing themselves as a new AI company and not as a search company. And this is a big deal for them as a company, right? Um, but Google also announced recently that they are doing automatic, that they are incorporating automatic translation to the, to the pixel bots with any Android phone. And I think this is good too in how they are like differentiating themselves. It's not only I want to be everywhere, but I also have this important service. And that's, that, that, that's, that was what I was um, thinking that the strong, uh, the services they have are so strong that can give them an advantage point. But I do think right now Amazon is ahead uh, and I don't, see, I don't see Google catching up that fast. But I appreciate that they're doing a really good job on it and um, in, the strat- in the change of the strategy they're doing with all these uh, voice technologies stuff. What's interesting is that, that that story is talking about total devices sold since the beginning of the time when these devices were being sold. So it's not looking at a specific time period. So you would expect the Echo devices to be the most common devices owned in America because they've been on sale for a lot longer. There's, there's been a lot more time that's passed since they've been on sale. But it, do, it doesn't really tell you when or how long people have had them for. But what is interesting, which there's something on the verge, it's in PC market, it's, it's, it's been all over the place. And this is from, uh, when's it from? This is from May. And in, so the report is that in quarter one of 2018, Google Home smart speakers have outsold Echo smart speakers for the first time. So Google Home apparently sold 3.1 million smart speakers. I think it's mostly the minis. And Echo, there was 2.5 million Echo devices sold. So if you look at if you, if you if you take that study for what it is, obviously you'd expect more people to have echoes because they've been on sale for a lot longer. But if you bring that a, lo- a little bit closer to home, it seems as though Google is starting possibly to outsell the echoes anyway. Um, and I think what the in terms of the headphone story, what that's really an example of. And Dustin, you were saying earlier on about there's no real angle or there's no real anchor for for locking uh, in these kind of assistants and 
I think that's what this, you know, as that, that on the last story, the author was calling it a spaghetti thrown against the wall kind of move. But I think what, what Amazon are doing is they're really trying to move for that lock and they're really trying to get themselves in as many places as possible so that they are the default assistant. So partnering with Qualcomm to, to put Alexa in headphones is, it's not even, it's not a surprise certainly because before that, they've, they've already released the Alexa smart screen uh, and TV device SDK. That lets brands like Sony and Panasonic and LG, that lets all of those TV manufacturers put Alexa into their TVs. It's already on the Facebook portal device. I don't know what everyone feels about that, but it's already on there as a default assistant. They've released the ACK Alexa Connect kit, which me and Dustin have spoke about on the rundown on the VOX World podcast. Uh, and that lets kind of like device manufacturers put Alexa into any kind of hardware. So that's that's rumored to be what was used in the Alexa microwave. Uh, and they've also released AVS for set-top boxes. So in America, that's your likes of probably TiVo. In the UK, that's your likes of Sky or Virgin, who can put Alexa into set-top boxes by default. So I think that what Amazon are trying to do, I think, is that they've got a decent market share in terms of smart speakers, and they're trying to really get themselves into as many other places as possible so that when you buy your new TV, the default assistant is Alexa. When you buy, And if you've got a default assistant as Alexa on your TV, and you've got maybe that might encourage you or you might already have an Echo, it's only a small step to then start getting the headphones and, and before you know where you are you've got Alexa kind of in a few different places and then it starts becoming a little bit harder to switch um, so yeah I, I, I think that but in terms of the voice story I think if we bring it closer to home and closer to, to today in terms of the time scales then it seems as though Google Assistant as a smart speaker is starting to overtake potentially but Alexa broadly speaking seems to have probably a slightly better strategy at this point in terms of trying to get it as the default assistant and as many devices as they possibly can yeah, I think Kane brings up a good point, and I mentioned it briefly earlier, but I think Google is approaching it the same way as well with that, with the news that 10,000 devices are using Google Assistant. I think that still pales in comparison to how many devices are using Alexa. But what we're seeing here is really, uh, as Kane mentioned, this is all over the place. People, Amazon and Google wants to go where people are, and and one thing that I think it's left out a little bit here, perhaps, is uh, the Android install base. So Echo can Echo can continue selling thirty percent to Google's twenty seven percent each quarter, but they're never going to be on all those phones that that Google's on. So Google does have that built in advantage there, where just by the very nature of having Android, they've got a billion plus person uh, potential install base just with what they carry every single day. Dustin, what do you reckon the kind of usership stats will be? So forget devices at the minute. If you were just to say there's Google Assistant and there's Amazon Alexa, regardless of the device, what do you think? I mean, I don't know if there's any studies on this, but what would your kind of thoughts be in terms of the the market share in terms of usage of the assistants? That is a that is a really good question. It's uh it's hard to say, right? Because the you still got Amazon really leading on the overall devices. You've got Android uh, and Assistant coming along with it, leading on phones. I would say it would be a lot closer than you would you would think. Just anecdotally, just anecdotally, speaking with people that I work with and people that I come across, you've got a lot of people who really see who really see Assistant on Android and Siri a little bit as well on iOS as a gateway to voice assistants, a gateway to these virtual assistants as well. And Amazon doesn't really have that foot in the door. They have the, the mind share 
that people maybe think about when they think of voice speakers. But if they don't continue with that strategy that you were mentioning, Kane, of getting in every single possible device that you can, they're going to lose that mindshare pretty quickly because people are first going to think about the the assistance that they have on their phone before they think about something that's standalone. Mm. There's an interesting thing around that people who tend to buy a smart speaker as a as a kind of almost like a knock on effect of having a smart speaker. You tend to use the assistant on your phone more as well. So you tend to use the the assistant on your mobile once you've got accustomed to smart speakers. So even if you do have an Echo, chances are you might have an Android phone. So and I reckon people people are already using Google Assistant without even realizing that they're using it. Like honestly, my dad. He rings me up about all kinds of technology stuff. You know what I mean? He is, he is not, he would, you know, self-professed non-technology person, right? And they were down the other week. Obviously, we've just had a baby and stuff like that. So he's down uh, visiting the baby. And we were trying to figure out, I think I've told this story on VOX World as well before. We we're trying to figure out what the process is of adding color into whiskey, so whiskey is like it's clear when you when you first make it, and you need to do something to add color in it. Sometimes you get it from the barrel, but you can you can add it. And we we're trying to figure out what it, what you do to to make the color in whiskey. All of a sudden, my dad, this technophobe, whips his phone out and he goes, "Hey Google, where does whiskey get its color from?" So it's like he he has no idea that he's using Google Assistant. He has no idea it's a voice assistant. He just knows that he can talk to Google and get an answer. So I reckon there's there's a whole untapped market. We we talk about Google Assistant and voice assistant, but I reckon it's already being used all over the world, and people don't even realize what it is. One thing that I think has to be uh, appended to this discussion is the fact that if it's true that Google and Amazon are sort of neck and neck at this point, which it certainly feels like they are then you have to think about Google has been successful in um, and really the reason they've caught up to Amazon given Amazon's lead is that Google has been successful in tying their voice assistant to their core essence of their business, which is search and that underlying knowledge graph. Amazon has not been successful in tying voice to their core business, which is commerce. It's been well-documented, VoiceBot and several others, you know, uh, mainstream media sources um, have all documented the fact that people are not using smart speakers to buy products. Yeah, you're getting some some rebuys. We talked about this the last week or two in This Week in Voice. You're getting some rebuys of commodity goods. And even with that, there's questions on how much you're getting. But in general, Amazon, as a broad statement, has been 100% unsuccessful in tying Alexa to the core essence, the foundational being of their business, which is online commerce. The moment that that changes, all of a sudden, Amazon's lead, it looks like they just went into warp speed and Google sitting there, you know, on the park bench waiting for the bus to show up. Just on on that uh, final one, Bradley, you mentioned sure. around Alexa not not tying it to the core business. What what I would probably say is, let's kind of revisit that in, in maybe 
maybe a year, two year, three years time. Cause I think that the echo show and all the things that they're doing with the screen and TV device SDK and AVS for set top boxes. And it's quite clear that Amazon see, I think the future of voice being a, a multimodal future. And I reckon that if you can get Alexa into most TVs and get Alexa in, with a screen into most kitchens and front rooms or whatever, all of a sudden shopping starts becoming uh, a whole, whole new paradigm. If you can see what's what and you can navigate the whole thing using your voice, then I think that could be a, a, could be a significant uh, kind of paradigm shift in, in how we shop. Oh, there's no question they're going to figure it out. Um, but you're right. It's just a matter of how long it takes and, and what that looks like and who else is in the field uh, at that point, which, which ties us into our story number three. Story number three, Samsung to introduce new Bixby features during an upcoming developer conference that they are holding. The question I'm going to pose to the panel, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Dustin, I'm going to start with you. Right now, my perception is that Samsung and Bixby is in what I'll call who cares status. <laughs> um, who, you know, who cares? Does someone care about this news? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure other other than people on the Samsung payroll, um, are there people using Bixby? Yeah, not that much. So the question is for for y'all, I'm going to go through each member of the panel here. In one year's time, is Samsung, with what they're rolling out at this conference and in general, is anybody going to care? Are they going to take market share away from Amazon, away from Google, away from Apple? in a way that makes them register? Are they going to have the features? Are they going to have uh, differentiating aspects of what they're doing? Share with us your thoughts on that and what you think Samsung might need to do to be more competitive in the market. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I would say that in a year, the people who talk about voice assistance in the U.S. still won't care about Bixby. The thing is, I don't think that matters, right? Uh, For the longest time, Nobody cared about Samsung Android phones, and they kept going at it. They kept going at it. They kept going at it. Now Samsung is the largest phone manufacturer in the world. Right? And I think this is the same thing that we might see with Bixby as well, is Samsung really is playing the long game here. And they are really better equipped than probably anyone to take over the whole house. You know, Samsung makes washing machines. Samsung makes refrigerators, they make all these different devices and they can add Bixby into each of these. I think it's also pretty fortuitous timing as well. Uh, Here in Europe, Google is now being forced to unbundle all of the Google apps on Android phones. So Samsung with its huge Galaxy install base might be able to, to really push people towards Bixby on those phones. But I think really long term, you know, the it may not be cool to use Bixby. It may not be exciting. But I think Samsung is going to keep plugging at it. And they've got some very interesting technology that they brought over from the Viv acquisition that might bring some developers over. And even if it doesn't, they, they really can afford to keep going at it and keep bundling it with their phones. Excellent. You make some great points, and uh, I'm sitting here with the first time in my life owning a Samsung phone. I bought the Note 9 uh, after being a uh, longtime uh, Apple purchaser, um, and, uh, and I'm loving it, and I'm staring at a Samsung TV on my wall. So 
your points are well taken. Kate, I'm going to turn to you. Do you agree with Dustin? Um, do you view it differently? Share with us your thoughts on this. No, I think Dustin's completely barking up the wrong tree with all that lot. <laughs> I'm only joking. I think that, yeah, Dustin's got it boxed off. You know, we, we've we've had similar discussions uh, between us on this. I think that, and, and Dustin, you've been part of the beta, uh, the private beta, haven't you, recently as well, taking a look at it. I, I don't know if I can say, but but maybe. Okay. Okay, well, maybe not then. Maybe we'll have to uh, <laughs> chop that bit out. But essentially, I think what Samsung, you know, you mentioned, do, do it, you know, will Samsung rival or will Bixby rival Amsung and, and Google? The only thing that, that, that I can even add to, to what Dustin's already said, which is spot on, is that I don't think they have to compete with, with Google and Amazon. Inevitably, they'll get dragged into that because they've got so many phones and they've got so many household appliances. So it's almost as if they're in Alexa's kind of playground in, in the home and they're also in Google's playground on the device. But ultimately, I don't. I, I, if I was Samsung, if, <laughs> if I was one of the biggest companies in the world, I, I wouldn't be thinking of it as, as, a, as, as a battle because voice as an interface voice will be an interface to all of technology. You know, Amazon and Google are all making the headlines now because they're the only one who've come out of the gate with a general purpose voice assistant. And But you, you, we will be speaking to absolutely all sorts. And Samsung's footprint in terms of the devices uh, and the hardware is absolutely massive. You know, there, there is nothing stopping Samsung from saying, we don't put Alexa onto any of our household items and we don't let, uh, or whenever we make manufacture phones, we use Bixby as the default assistant on that. That in itself is enough to make a decent inroad into this kind of market. But they might not even, obviously they will be interested in this market, but think about where Samsung are based and where Samsung are from and the access to the size of the Asian market that they have. Voice in the likes of China and Japan is actually pretty big and they're all doing some really, really interesting stuff. And Samsung is positioned probably one of the only companies really who is positioned with access to the to the global market you know amazon i was speaking to somebody in uh, australia the other week and, and amazon is amazon the company has only existed in australia since pretty much this year or last year um so and, and you know that i think google isn't google banned from china or something like that so even though google and amazon are massive they they are I don't think that in terms of a global presence and a global footprint, truly global, particularly capturing that Asian market, Samsung potentially could be in a, in a very, very, very good position in five years' time. Well, I, uh, it's the, fair, the same. I completely agree with both uh, King and Dustin on this one. We cannot discount Samsung at all because of all the, the funds they have internationally, not only in the U.S., but also all the appliances, right? So I completely agree to both uh, with both Dustin and Kane that um, Samsung might break in. And going back to story number two, uh, the VoiceBot article was also mentioning that there is in in the in the stats they were gathering there is room for another for other smart speakers and smart assistants. Uh, and I think this room is where Samsung might come might come in and, and break it. So that's great commentary all the way around. We we're we're going to turn to our final story of the week. And it's actually not even a story. It's just something I wanted to include. This is from Carnegie Mellon, which by several different standards and listings has the number one graduate school computing and AI program in the United States, sound and vibration recognition boost context aware computing. So we've been fortunate to have Dr. Joe Marks on the Voice of Healthcare, and we know that we know the Carnegie Mellon folks pretty well. They do amazing work. I've included this story specifically because we've got three people on this show 
who are knee deep in voice, interested in voice, passionate about voice, and everything that's tied in with voice, ambient computing, AI, machine learning, all that. I want to go through the panel one last time with this story in mind. And Mari, I'm going to start with you and then Kane and Dustin. This story is eye-opening. Um, it, it really paints a picture of one particular aspect of how additional functionality is going to be layered on the smart speaker and voice-first technology install base just to continue to change our lives. And so my question for you, Mari, is when you are speaking to somebody who, uh, and you're telling them about voice technology, you're telling them about Voice First Weekly, you're telling them about your passion and your, your enthusiasm for this subject matter, share with me uh, and the audience your thoughts on just what this technology means for all of us in the future. Share with us how you communicate this to other people. I think there's a lot of value in, in hearing from all, you know, all of y'all's own words, your own thoughts on all of this. Um, so, so walk us through that, if you don't mind, just with this story in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think this is a pretty interesting uh, article and I, I'm glad that we're talking more about it because most people are focused, at least in the first one year that I have been seeing this trend in voice recognition side of a smart assistant and less on multimodality. I, I think one of, of the persons that talk a lot about it is actually Dustin about the modality of voice, but it's not that... Uh, it's not being talked a lot. What is even discussed way less is ambient, this concept of ambient computing where uh, contexts have this very important role. And this research that the article is mentioning is looking at way more, and it reminds me of this episode here in This Week in Voice with Brian Roman, when he said that this is only the beginning, but very, very early stages for this technology. And I think to his point, it was, uh, and to the point of the article, it was about this ambient computing stuff, uh, which is recognizing uh, and acknowledging your context to be truly smart. To be truly smart as an assistant is good for me that you know where I am, that you know that I'm in a car, and thus what I need to be paying more attention to is the road. Right, so, or that I'm in the kitchen and, and shopping stuff, so please don't ask me to touch your screen. Um, so I think that's the, the truly feature of a future of a smart, truly smart assistant is one that can recognize your context and has uh, awareness on your surroundings. So this research by Carnegie Mellon uh, is bringing light to all uh, to this ambient computing as concept that, that I love to talk about usually. Um, we publish in, uh, we're releasing in one of the Voices Weekly newsletter, this article called uh, The Boss Have Eyes. I truly recommend it. And it's, it's talking exactly um, about this research that the Carnegie Mellon is doing on, on all this, uh, what is it when your chatbot doesn't even, doesn't only have ears, but also have eyes. And by eyes, it's also like recognition of your surroundings. So I think this, this is a pretty interesting story. 
Yeah, I think that what this article is doing, I mean, you say what about the future. What it, what is this research is kind of it seems as though it could be well into the future, to be honest. But what it is, it is is very, very interesting. Um so for those that I mean, check out the link in obviously in the show notes and that, but essentially what they've done is this ubicoustics or ubicoustics, what they've done is they've essentially learned what sounds sound like by analyzing the 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 kind of the uh Essentially, they've looked at what sounds exist in ambient environments and they've trained machine learning uh, algorithms and whatnot to try and understand what sounds to listen out for. So if you think about the scope of, of, of that, what that ends up meaning is that, for example, Alexa can understand when you're chopping something. And that's one of the examples it gives. So this, this little, I'll, jump, I'll try and play some audio just to give the listeners a little bit of context around what this stuff is. So let me just see if this works. Chop the banana in a quarter inch portions. So that's them chopping. Now that you're done chopping, place the ingredients into the blender and liquefy. So now the guy's putting the banana in the blender. On the blender. Finally, add hot chocolate and enjoy. Did you get that? Yes, that sounded great. Right. So that's an example of, of the kind of stuff they're working on. So you're using Alexa, you're following a recipe, it can pick up the sounds that you're making and understand through you making them sounds at what stage of the process you're on. And that can do all kinds of stuff in future. For example, there's a knock at the door and Alexa can listen out for the knock at the door. And then you might be upstairs not being able to hear it, but an echo upstairs can say, look, there's someone at the door. You know, that in the future, that could be quite useful. You're running into all kinds of privacy situations there because at the moment it listens only for the wake word. Now we'll be saying, now you need to listen for all of these kind of sounds, every single sound that exists in the world. Essentially, you need to be listening constantly. So it's a big accomplishment to get to. But I think what we're seeing, broadly speaking, um, is that all of these different types of technology are all kind of coming together. So this is now sound recognition to understand what's happening in your environment to give context to a particular use case. You've got people in companies like uh, Mycroft, who we've had on the podcast before, excellent, excellent company, open source voice assistant. Some of their community have built um, facial recognition stuff so that if you're using their smart speaker or one of their other devices, it will wake up when it sees you looking at it. So I think what we're kind of getting towards is that voice is seemingly the catalyst for all of this stuff. But there's all kind of other kind of ancillary technologies that are bubbling around that when you put them together can create something quite special. So I remember we had, uh, it wasn't that long ago, Sean Canungo uh, of Silver was on the podcast and he was talking about how, you know, Uber and the mobile revolution happened because you can mash together all of these different technologies to create something that was, you know, unbelievable. So you had mobile data, quick, rapid internet data while you're out and about. You had sophisticated GPS technology um, that you can you can have while you're out and about. And all of these other kind of technologies come together to create what the technology stack is for Uber. So all of these things, all they're doing really is they're providing more tools to the toolkit and more opportunities to mash these different types of technologies together to create something that is, you know, a completely natural and intuitive and frictionless experience. So whether all of these specific technologies will be the thing that end up coming to light and Alexa is going to be listening now for the door knocking or I can hear when someone pulls up on your drive and then all of a sudden turn your porch lights on and unlock your front door. <laughs> Who knows? But it's it's a massively, massively interesting space to be involved in. And it is an absolute pleasure to speak to so many people that are in this industry doing so much interesting work and to be able to share that with everyone is absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, starting out with this article, I would say I am 100% not interested, not interested at all. Uh, people are already worried that their devices are listening to them. But if they feel like that they can watch them and know what they're doing through the sounds, through the acoustic vibrations, it's just because you can do something and it's cool and it's interesting doesn't mean you should do it. So I would say on this one, it's exciting. It's awesome. Let's not add this to our devices. In terms of voice overall, I think what I'm really excited about, uh, like Mari mentioned, voices. Voice is an input. Voice is a way to accomplish your task more efficiently, to help the users be more efficient at what they're doing. The exciting thing for me is that this is coming at a very interesting time where people are getting sick of their phones. People are getting sick of being tied to these devices that are continually asking for their attention, continually lighting up, continually just calling to them and almost in a lot of cases, almost very addictive. And voice and these conversational interfaces really allow us to take back control. Like Kane's father, Kane's father asked a question about whiskey and then he didn't see, oh, hey, here are six other articles you could read and here's six more articles you can read. And then 30 minutes later, it's he's still on his phone. You're really taking back that control because it's really working for you now instead of the reverse, which is, I think, how a lot of people are feeling with, with mobile and their computers overall. Mari, Kane, Dustin, thank all three of you for being on the show today, sharing your time, sharing your experience, sharing your expertise with not just me, but the audience as well. It's very appreciated. Thank you for having me, Bradley. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Bradley. Absolute pleasure. For season three, episode six of This Week in Voice, thank you for listening, and until next time.